Good morning. It's May 4th. And welcome to Doing Life, Daily Devotions for Finding Peace in Stressful Times. This is the audible companion of the book of the same name. This morning's title, The Shema. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Mark twelve twenty-eight. Over and over again in the Bible, we are commanded to love God. In fact, a version of the above response to a lawyer who sought to test Jesus occurs nine times in Scripture three times in the Synoptic Gospels, and six times in the Old Testament. Interestingly, the Old Testament verses, which occur in Deuteronomy and Joshua, mention only loving God with all your heart, soul, and might. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9, 10, 12, 11, 13, and 36, and Joshua 22, 5. Jesus, in quoting the first of three parts of the Shema, the core Hebrew prayer in the Siddur, or Hebrew prayer book, alters it slightly. Interestingly, he adds the word mind to heart, soul, and strength. More about this in a moment. In Jewish culture, there is special emphasis given to the first six words of the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, found in Deuteronomy 6.4, which is followed by a six-word response then a recitation of the remaining Deuteronomy 6, 5-9, through 9, in which we are commanded to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might. While the first part of the Shema is called the Shema as well, the second and third parts have their own titles. The second part of the Shema is called the Vahaya, Deuteronomy eleven thirteen through 21 and relates the blessings and consequences of obedience and disobedience to Adonai, respectively. The third part is called the Vayamer, Numbers fifteen thirty-seven through 41, and concerns the use of the talat, or prayer shawl, with the four tassels called zitzit on the corners. It is designed to remind the faithful Hebrew to follow all of the commands. So why all this focus on one line of scripture? Jesus was asked by a scribe, a lawyer, impressed by all he had overheard, a sincere question. The rabbis taught that there are 613 individual statutes with 365 prohibitive and 248 positive directions. Jewish historians tell us that those who studied the law were constantly seeking to know which were the more important and which could be emphasized in hopes of simplifying the code. Jesus first quotes those opening six words of the Shema, which affirms two things, the unity of God and his covenant relationship with the Hebrew people. They are to love God completely, 
with every fiber of their being, because he alone is God, and he has chosen a special relationship with the Jewish people. But Jesus goes further and reminds the listeners of Leviticus 19.18, commanding them to love their neighbor as themselves, clearly intending to communicate that this is the natural outgrowth of loving God completely. The Jews of Jesus' time had a very narrow view of who their neighbor might be, not unlike many people of all different ethnic groups do today. To the Jews, their neighbor, deserving application of the golden rule, clearly meant, well, other Jews. In Luke ten twenty-five through 27 Jesus responds to a similar question, but one he knows is not asked out of sincerity this time, but out of guile, intended to trick him. The question from this lawyer was, what must he do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered with the second phrase of the Shema, and tied it into the Leviticus reference known as the Golden Rule. When the scribe, seeking to justify or defend himself, then asked who exactly was his neighbor, Jesus responded with the famous story of the Good Samaritan. Recall that there was no more reviled group than the Samaritans, which the Jews of Judah viewed as mongrels who interbred with pagans. The Samaritans were half-breeds, both physically and spiritually. But in the parable, the priest walks by on the other side of the road, as does the Levite, both avoiding the naked, bleeding, injured man in the street. They are the most respected and revered in Jewish society. Both had sacred duties to perform and perhaps felt they couldn't risk becoming ceremonially unclean by touching the man. We tend to demonize the Pharisees and the scribes for their role in the Lord's eventual crucifixion, but remember, they simply had no ears to hear or eyes to see who the Messiah really was and what the coming of the kingdom really meant. The fact that the Samaritan was the one who showed mercy and was clearly the one Jesus defined as a neighbor would have been extremely hard to swallow for his listeners. As one of our pastors put it a couple of years ago, imagine an American Indian helping an injured cowboy who was shot full of arrows, putting him on his own horse, and then riding into the doctor's office in Dodge City. Our Lord has compassion on those in need, on the wounded, the hungry, the poor, and the sinners. These were the ones who needed the help of a neighbor. The religious leaders in Judah had no compassion for anyone who was not like them, members of their tribe, and even then, not to those who lived a life of sin. Instead of leading sinners to redemption and salvation, they condemned them by a law that only one person ever could follow completely, Jesus, the one who fulfilled the law. Why is the Shema so important, then, for the Jew and the Christian alike? Because it reminds us every time we think of it, or every time that we recite it, that our God is the only God, and that he loves us and we are to love him with everything in us. But Jesus chose not to let the Shema stand alone. He expanded on it by adding the word mind, and by tying it to Leviticus 19.18. The Jews have Leviticus as a part of the Torah. This should not have been news to them. Jesus makes it clear what we have stated over and over. The way to love God is to love the people he made in his own image. He wants us to use our minds and not just our emotions and our tribal instincts. Who are those people made in his own image? Who are your neighbors? Remember what my 90-year-old seminary professor used to say, T-A-I, think about it. Your neighbors are those in need, anyone in need, no matter the color of their skin, their gender, their ethnicity, and especially not their religion. You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
I am the Lord. Leviticus nineteen eighteen. Dear Heavenly Father, how easy it is for us to hang with only people like ourselves. How easy it is to criticize and look down on people who are not like ourselves. Direct your Holy Spirit within us to remind us every day that all people are made in your image. Your Son, Jesus, commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we need to remember that our neighbor isn't just the person who lives next door in a house that looks just like ours and has skin that looks just like ours and speaks just like we do. But our neighbor is anyone in need. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow. Malchuto, le-